tonight's episode, we will be looking at the strange and enigmatic sightings of the man, the myth, the amphibian, the Loveland Frogman. fourth episode of As Yet Unexplained Series 4. In this series, we will be looking at the stories behind some of the most famous mysterious tales of the strange, paranormal, and unexplained. If you like what you hear, please consider liking, subscribing, or even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. As always, we like to remind the listener that within this podcast is the possibility of descriptions of murder and death, and you should be cautious if you find such things distressing. Also, with every story there are victims, so please bear a thought for those who have suffered. Before we begin today's episode, it might be of note to remember that for some people this is possibly their first introduction to some of the strange stories and concepts of the unknown and unexplainable. So with that in mind, I will attempt to give a brief explanation as to what cryptozoology is, and therefore it will add more context to the tale I am about to relate. In its most basic form, the word cryptozoology, which means study of hidden animals, was said to have been invented by way of getting rid of the stigma associated with the word monster, and recontextualizing the sightings into a more sustainable scientific term by using the word cryptid. Not all things unknown and ugly are monsters, and inversely, not all things fair are friendly. Cryptozoology is the study of these unknown or mythical creatures, of centuries-old myths and folklore that walk and cohabit this world with us to this very day. People are still reporting sightings in numerous situations. Their mission is to determine whether or not cryptids exist, and they accomplish this by examining the evidence of eyewitnesses, fossils, archaeological digs, geological and cultural histories. Some of the most remembered and witnessed cryptids are Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Loch Ness Monster, El Chubracabra, and the Yeti of Nepal, India, and China. Without the mindset of cryptozoology and the meticulous research and study that goes into it, we would not have discovered many additional creatures that had previously been thought of as mythological and the products of fanciful imaginations. 
The platypus and the kimono dragon are a few examples of this. Today's episode looks at encounters of a cryptid that spans several decades and overall the description and behaviours all seem to conform to the habit patterns of a consistent unknown species of creature. A story begins in Loveland, a city in the southwestern region of Ohio in the United States. Loveland, which is part of the greater Cincinnati region, is located near Interstate 275, Exit 52, and is northeast of Cincinnati's city boundaries. It crosses the Little Miami River and nowadays sports a rough population of 13,145 people. May 1955 This first encounter is usually told in one of three ways, each one very similar but with varying degrees of difference. I will highlight these as they come up. It was May 1955 at approximately 3.30 a.m. when our story begins. An unnamed business person was driving through Claremont County along the Miami River and was just on the outskirts of Loveland. The sun was well and truly set and the anticipation of dawn was on the mind of our traveller who was on the highway alone. It was when the business person crossed a poorly lit bridge the Little Miami River and other streams in the vicinity are crisscrossed by several of these bridges due to the topography and layout. That he was startled to see three shapes that resembled human form lurking in the deep darkness at the side of the road. The man parked his car on the opposite side of the road and stood there for around three minutes, open-mouthed, staring at the scene before him. The salesperson stood there dumbfounded, watching these three shapes that were humanoid yet frog-like. The creatures were oblivious to the fact that they were being watched initially. They were all around three and a half feet tall, with thick-looking leathery skin and webbed hands and feet, uneven chests, and they had huge mouths without lips according to the salesperson. Instead of hair, they had huge eyes, large jaws, and deep grooves on their heads. They were bipedal and firmly standing straight, not like how a dog or a cat can momentarily stand on their hind legs and approximate bipedal walking for a small distance. This was firm, assertive, upright walking. Variations of this tale have the business person observe one of the creatures on a bridge, and a third variation has stated that the entities were under the bridge. Fear had started to grip the salesperson, and in a panic, he decided what he was observing was not a sight for humans to see, and thusly decided to flee. At that point, the creatures realized they were being observed by the salesperson, and one of them decided to possibly take the offensive. The creature then rose to its feet and wielded a cylindrical metal device, which has been subsequently referred to as a wand, above its head, and it emitted flashes, sparks, and other light pulses in the direction of the business person. 
This only intensified the businessman's need to escape, and he started to run faster back to his car. The businessman said that the environment had the odour of hay and almonds. If the tale is true, and we only have anecdotal evidence for this story, local knowledge places the business person in the position of approaching or departing Branch Hill, a community bordering the southern end of Loveland. It is also of note that the majority of the side roads heading to and from Loveland, particularly at the bridge sections, are not adequately illuminated. August 1955 There is another possible encounter that is often linked to the May 55 sightings, and that occurred on August 21st, 1955. A Miss Darwin Johnson was swimming in the Ohio River in Evansville, Indiana, when she claimed that she was assaulted by some sort of amphibious or underwater monster. She felt something strike her from beneath the waves and then firmly grab her knee. In the flurry of legs and splashing water, the creature took further liberty by grabbing Miss Johnson all over her legs and thighs in an attempt to drag her deep beneath the waves to its own dominion. The events were witnessed by Miss Johnson's friend, Miss Chris Lamble, who was present when this attack occurred within the river's 15-foot depth. Miss Johnson was pulled violently beneath the water twice during the ordeal. With the help of Mrs. Lamble, she was able to swim to shore after kicking herself free of the underwater beast. On inspection afterwards, it was clear that Miss Johnson's lake was covered in contusions and a purported green palm print that seemed to discolour her flesh for several days after the event. This case, although extraordinary, only really shares the location with the May incident. The Little Miami River drains into the Ohio River, whereas Evansville is nearly 240 miles away to the southwest. The Shocky Incident It was March the 3rd, 1972, at around 1 o'clock a.m., some 17 years after the original sighting by the business person, that Officer Ray Shockey was riding on Riverside Drive into Loveland. Shockey's police vehicle was slowly progressing down the road as the conditions were reportedly icy and slippery, the winter weather had not quite left the area. It was due to his slow driving that enabled him to observe something that would change his life forever. Initially, Shockey thought that the shape on the edge of the road was an injured dog, which needed assistance or possibly 
its corpse would have needed moving out of the road for user's safety in this cold weather. The shape then suddenly darted across the road, thus prompting the officer to slam on his brakes to avoid colliding with it. The thing was clearly visible in the officer's headlights after he was halted. Shockey reported that the thing was crouched like a frog, with leathery skin like a lizard. The monster then raised itself up into a bipedal position and stood straight. It was three to four feet tall, with an estimated weight of 50 to 75 pounds. It swiftly turned its head to look directly at the officer. The frogman finally turned around and descended into the little Miami River, climbing over the guard barrier as it went. After the incident and the inevitable police report Shockey would have to have filed, other police officers would visit the location to collect data and evidence. Their investigation discovered that the guardrail had significant abrasions exactly where the creature was said to have climbed over this metal barrier. One major point that is often brought up by researchers is the fact that the creature must have had a very peculiar metabolism if it was a member of the amphibian family in any way. Amphibians and reptiles are cold-blooded organisms that cannot move freely in the open air at temperatures below 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Riverside Drive runs north-south along the west bank of the Little Miami River, as its name suggests. It is officially called East Kemper Road, but as the road follows the river north through downtown Loveland, it becomes Riverside Drive. The Matthews Event Two weeks later, Officer Mark Matthews was to have an experience of his own on St. Patrick's Day whilst driving down Kemper Road. In the centre of Kemper Road, Matthews spotted something heaped and squatted on the side of that road. Matthews got out of his cruiser to remove the carcass of what he believed to be roadkill. A light dusting of frost had already collected on the prone shape. Matthews' plan to remove the dead animal for other motorists' safety was quickly dashed when he reached out to touch the object. Completely by surprise, the shape leapt up into a crouching stance and locked eyes with the frightened officer Matthews. Startled, by the frogman's reptilian features and physique, Matthews unholstered his revolver and took a shot at the creature. Fortunately for the frogman, no significant damage was sustained. Officer Matthews stood helplessly watching as the creature ran off, crawled under the guardrail, and disappeared into the brush, all the while staring into the surprised eyes of Matthews. Matthew stated that he had no clue what it was. I know no one would believe me, so I shot it. He said back at the police station. With the exception of a tail which was missing in earlier accounts, 
Matthews's frogman matched the first officer's description down to the last detail. Officer Matthews has gone back on his story in the years since these incidents. He now maintains that the unidentified creature was simply a huge reptile that had gotten away from its owner. Matthews also claimed that the sole reason he fired at the monster was to support Officer Shockey's claim, a statement that predictably was seen with scepticism by their superiors. The new version of the account now states that Matthews did in fact shoot the creature and then collected the carcass and put it in his trunk. He would state that it was a giant iguana around 3 or 3.5 feet long. According to Matthews, who could not recognise it right away since it was missing a tail, the iguana may have been someone's pet that could have possibly become unmanageable. The cold-blooded iguana could have been living near the pipes that discharged water, which is used to cool the boot factory's ovens as a means of staying warm in the harsh March weather. Whether Matthews's change of heart was prompted by criticism or a faded recall of an event that occurred 30 years ago, the fact remains that his own testimony contradicts his subsequent retraction. Officer Mark Matthews, now retired, indicated in an email interview from 2001 that the event was habitually blown out of proportion by the press at the time. According to him, it was not and is now not a monster. It appears that even the measurements he had previously given for the creature were incorrect, as he stated it was not even close to being three and a half feet tall, and it most certainly did not stand up straight. The animal I saw was clearly a lizard that had been kept as a pet and had grown too large for its tank, escaped by mistake, or just became bored with it. It was just about three foot long, rushed across the road, and was most likely blinded by my headlights. It did not take any hostile actions. It has also been claimed by Matthews that Shockey was shown the deceased iguana and agreed it was the same lizard he had seen two weeks before. Matthews said that he had even told an author of an urban legends book back in the day about the encounter, and the author omitted the section that established the monster was an iguana, rather than a frogman. And thus the entire legend was born. Except for the fact that sightings had occurred way before Matthews had his. It is possible that later that March, another sighting of the elusive frogman was made. While surveying his crops near the Little Miami River, an unnamed farmer reported seeing four strange animals. These strange creatures were, according to the farmer, small, with eyes that were huge, moist and round. Their skin was a light greenish-grey colour in hue and their jaws were large and loaded with visible sharp fangs. When it became apparent to the creatures that their presence had been observed by the farmer, they bolted and vanished into the Little Miami River. 
Native American beliefs. It is important to clarify that the Loveland Frogman legends did not begin in 1955. Although the dates have long since been forgotten, it is said that a group of French missionaries befriended a tribe of Indians living amongst the vast muddy rivers in what is now southeastern Ohio, sometime around 1696. This tribe was thought to be part of the Miami civilization, but the Delaware people dubbed them the Twitwe. The Twitwees forewarned the French about the little Miami River devil. It was known as the Shonahook. The Shonahook was a humanoid monster with wrinkled skin and no nose. While returning to their settlement, a Twitwee hunting group noticed the Shonahook. One of the warriors aimed an arrow at it. The Shonahook, on the other hand, just hopped back into the river and vanished. The Shonahook, they felt, could never be slain. This beast is claimed to have threatened indigenous tribes until they dispatched their most powerful warriors to fight this demon. The Shonahook is supposed to have gone into hiding after the battle was decided. The Shonahook are said to have returned to the riverbanks after being forced out of their homeland by invading settlers. The Shawnee and Twaitui tribes are both credited for creating this aquatic mythology. August 2016 On a Wednesday in August of 2016, the most recent sighting that drew notice occurred. That night, between Loveland Madeira Road and Lake Isabella, Sam Jacobs and his girlfriend were playing Pokemon Go. This was reported by local Cincinnati TV stations. Jacob stated in an email that a night of fun turned into a terrifying story of terror when they came across the alleged frog. The email was sent to local news stations. We came across a massive frog near the lake. This was a genuine huge frog, not one from the game Pokemon Go. Because I have never seen one so enormous before, I snapped a few photos and recorded a video. The creature then rose up and began walking on its hind legs. The frog was around four feet tall. Sam Jacobs took images of the monster, but the light was so dim that just a pair of glowing eyes and an indeterminate figure could be seen when brightened using computer software. When they arrived at Jacobs' girlfriend's house, her parents informed them of the frogman tale. Until August the 5th, 2016, the narrative was given a brief airing. Jacobs fully understood why some people would not believe in his insane story, to which he replied that, I vow on my grandmother's grave that this is the truth. I am not sure if it was a frogman or not, or simply a huge frog. In any case, it is unlike anything I have ever seen. So was that the frogman from legend, or was it only a large frog? Jacobs was undecided. It is also of note to say that the location of this new sighting does not really fit in with the location mandate of the previous sightings, 
and this could possibly indicate either a change in the frogman's habitat, or simply that it is a hoax. It has been subsequently revealed from sources that I could not authenticate that the frogman was eventually found out to be a local teenager dressed as a frog from a high school. It is of course possible that after all the sightings that have occurred over the years that some of them are complete fabrications made by people seeking attention. Some skeptics point out that the creature from the Black Lagoon was released in 1954, a year before the business person encounter, and thusly imply that Americans were obsessed with amphibious lake monsters at the time. Science couldn't explain it, but there it was, alive, in the deep, deep waters of the Amazon, a throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago, immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. See underwater thrills never photographed before. See titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. Although the creature from the Black Lagoon bears no resemblance to the creature that was spotted by the eyewitnesses. Like most cryptid encounters, it is always the witness that has to bear the responsibility of the burden of proof. They are instantly dismissed as crackpots when in actual fact there is as much evidence to prove they did see it as there is for them not seeing it. But as always, if it does not fit into the current scientific view, it is dismissed. The community of Loveland, Ohio, has welcomed and embraced the Loveland Frogman as their own mascot. Representations of the Frogman are to be found throughout the whole culture of the town. From boat races to t-shirts, it looks like this legend, true or not, is not going away. Links to our website and social media are in our bio, so feel free to get in touch, tell us how we are doing, and even suggest future episodes that we can cover. Next week, we will be looking at the Westall UFO encounter. Thanks for listening. If you are listening to this message, then the subliminal frequency has successfully calibrated to your mind. Do not be alarmed. I am here to advise you to explore the occult area of Albion.
The Occultaria of Albion is both a written series as well as a podcast. It explores various locations where paranormal and supernatural events have occurred. It is a broadcast on a forgotten frequency. Hauntings, time slips, cryptids, cults and more are investigated and examined. Enter a world designed by Torch and Moonlight. Go to occultariaofalbion.com or search Occultaria of Albion wherever you find your favourite podcasts. End transmission. <laughs>